morning, Riverside. Uh, it's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. Uh, really excited to be sharing. <laughs> Thank you. Really excited to be sharing uh, from Scripture. Uh, before we start, uh, would you pray with me? Father, thank you for your word. Father, we thank you that when you speak, you create something new within us. Father, thank you that you always show us uh, our need for Jesus, but you never do that without pointing us to him, the one who uh, made an end to all our sin. Father, we thank you for that good news. And we ask that as we come under your word this morning, would we not just be hearers, would we be doers? Father, I pray that what I say that is good, true, and helpful, would that be remembered? What I say that is not of you, would that be quickly forgotten? Uh, Father, I pray that we would be challenged and convicted this morning. Amen. Fantastic. So, over this month, we're going to be looking at big, bold questions. So, last week we heard from Josh, who was talking about, who am I? In a couple of weeks' time, we're looking at the problem of evil. Why would a good God allow suffering? And then the week after that, we're looking at eternity, destiny, what happens after I die. But today, we're looking at purpose. Why am I here? But before we ask that question, uh, I think we need to think a little bit about why we're asking this question in the first place. You see, I think there's two types of people. I think the first type of pe person comes over here. We'll call these guys the big thinkers. They really like to sink their teeth into the issue, maybe read some books, listen to some podcasts, tell their friends about it. And then every so often they come up with these kind of wise and intelligent comments uh, to amaze everyone. Now, see, I go to university where people just sit around all day and do this. So <laughs> I'm, I'm familiar with this one. And then over here we have people who think they're really weird. <laughs> they say, actually, I've got a life. I don't have time to be thinking about these kind of questions. Actually, these questions are irrelevant. Or maybe perhaps more common, actually, I've never even thought about this question before. My life has been going perfectly fine without thinking about the meaning of life. Why should I be thinking about this? So we need to ask, why do we bother with these questions in the first place? Why should we, as thinking Christians, but also as non-Christians as well, why is this important? I think there are two main reasons. I think the first one is that actually this kind of abstract question is really just another way of asking, do I matter? I don't know about you, but that's a question that I've asked myself a lot. When you walk into a room and you think, why am I here? Am I meant to be here? Do people notice me? Am I valued in my workplace? Am I valued amongst my friends? Am I valued in my family? It's a question that I think a lot of us have asked. So that's the first reason. And I think the second reason is that actually our culture is throwing out a lot of unhelpful answers. I think one common answer to this question uh, is that actually people say, I choose. I'm going to choose my own purpose. I'm going to choose how I do things. It's my life. It's that line from Frozen, uh, no right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. No right, no wrong, no rules for me, I'm free. I'm going to do it my own way. And that's really, really common. And that sounds good at first sight because we think, actually, yeah, surely freedom is really good. Surely we want freedom. But actually, we could run into problems because Jeff decides that his meaning in life is to get rich quick. But then Sue's over here saying she wants to feed the poor, and suddenly there's a clash, and there's an issue there. So I think that big answer in our culture doesn't work. And there's another answer that people come up with, and, they, and I've heard this so many times. People just say, just be a good person. Just be nice. You know, there's um, that song from John Lennon, Imagine. 
Imagine everyone just got on, lived in peace and harmony. Wouldn't that be great? There's a Monty Python film, uh, The Meaning of Life. And at the very end, this is what they say. Try to be nice to people. Avoid eating fat. Read a good book every now and then. Get some walking in. And try and live together in peace and harmony with people of all creeds and nations. And that also sounds really good to start with, because you think, well, character is really good, integrity is really good, being nice to people is also really good. But my question there is, where are we getting this idea of nice from? Because I have a funny feeling that our ideas of niceness and integrity and character come from a bloke called Jesus. So why are we asking this? We're asking this because it's a question we will ask at some point, do I matter? And it's also because we need to engage those who are being fed unhelpful answers in our culture. So to help us uh, understand and get to grips with this question, we're going to be looking at a passage in Ephesians. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn them on? And uh, we'll be looking at um, (laughs) verses 8 to 10. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Here Paul, in a nutshell, tells us everything that we need to know about our purpose, about our meaning, about our destiny. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Now there's a lot in this text, so what I want to do this morning is to unpack verse 10, taking each part and seeing what it means for us, what it teaches us about God, what it teaches us about our, our meaning, and why we're here. So I thought the first thing we learn from this verse is that we are God's workmanship. We have a creator who loves us. We are here because God creates. That's all it is. God takes delight in his creation. The word that Paul uses for workmanship is only used in one other place in the Bible, and that's in Romans, where he's talking about the first creation at the start of time. So Paul is, if you like, he's leading his readers by the hand and he's saying, do you remember Genesis? Do you remember when God called into existence the things that did not exist? Do you remember when he called things into being, made something out of nothing, how he made something beautiful? Do you remember how he created the sun and the moon and he said, good? How he created the land and the sky, he said, good. Created land animals, sea animals, good. And then he created you. And he said, very good. You see, we have a creator who loves us. And you know, the question of why am I here is not really about us at all. It's about God, who loves to create. We're here because God wanted to have a relationship with us. This point reminded me of uh, a character in Toy Story. Do we have any Toy Story fans in the room? Okay, the rest of you will have to bear with me on this one. So, there's a new film out in the summer, and there's a particular character called Forky, and I think we have a picture of him there. Sporky, is it? Before. Okay. All right, so we have Sporky, and Sporky is created by a little girl called Bonnie, and it's her first day at kindergarten, and she's feeling kind of lonely, so she gets together some stuff from the bin and uh, makes this character. But there's an issue because Sporky thinks that he's trash. And he kind of does this little waddle and he sort of keeps trying to jump in the bin because he believes that's where I belong. I belong in the trash. 
And then Woody takes him out, but he waddles back, back in the bin, because he says, I'm trash, I'm not a toy. And there's this great message in the film where Sporky learns that he is not trash, but that he has a creator, Bonnie, who loves him, who cares for him, who takes complete, sheer, utter delight in him, and he wants to spend time with him. You know, the creature asks, do I matter? And the creator responds, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are my masterpiece. You are very good. So we are his workmanship. God takes delight on us. We are here because God loves to create. That's just what he does. The second thing we learn from this verse is that we are created for a relationship with Jesus. I heard a story once of a pastor from a large charismatic church, and he was talking to his friend about what he does. Uh, he was talking a little bit about the teaching, a little about the worship, and the friend was shocked and said, oh, you're not one of those Jesus Christians, are you? But actually, that gets to the heart of what the Christian faith is all about. We are Jesus Christians. We are created for a relationship with him. Paul's language of being in Christ can be a bit confusing sometimes. What does it mean to actually be in Christ? But it's really simple. What Paul is getting at is this unbreakable bond that exists between us and Jesus. We're inseparable. Paul talks more about our relationship with Jesus in Ephesians. In chapter 1, his opening prayer is that we would get to know him better. What a great prayer that is, that we get to know Jesus better. In chapter 3, he says, we have boldness and access to Jesus through faith. We have a new intimacy with him. This is what we are created for. So when Paul talks about relationship with Jesus, he's talking about how we are to spend time with him. It's what Sheila shared just a moment ago. God is longing for, we, we long for friendship, and we find that friendship in God. We are to encounter him. We are to come under his instruction and teaching. We are to worship him. Again, Toy Story helps us out because we see these toys and the running theme throughout all the films is that they find their fulfillment and their satisfaction when they are spending time with their owner. When they are enjoying each other's company. And actually Jesus satisfies us. He fulfills us. Maybe you've known this for many years. Maybe you're here and you're not really sure about this whole Christianity thing. But whatever needs we have, Jesus fulfills them. You know, if you want wealth and material possessions, come to him who became poor so that we could become rich. If you want family and friendship, come to him who was our brother and our friend. If you want education, if you want to strive for learning and intelligence and excellence, come to him who was the teacher, the best teacher that there ever is or was, who will guide you in the way of wisdom. And if you want love and acceptance, then come to him. Come praise the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you. See, we are created for a relationship with Jesus. That is where we find our fulfillment. That is where we find our satisfaction. So my challenge to you and my prayer is that we would spend some time with Jesus this week. Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe this is kind of weird. But actually, I can guarantee it will change your life when you spend time with Jesus. Maybe this will be the meaning of time that you've done it. Keep going. This is what you were created for. This is your purpose. This is your destiny. 
So we're here because God creates. God is creator. He takes delight in his creation. We are here for a relationship with Jesus. That is where we find our fulfillment. That is where we find our satisfaction. The third thing that Paul says is that we are created for good works. I don't know, but I think Christians sometimes get the heebie-jeebies about language of works because we kind of, we like what Paul says earlier in this passage. Saved by faith, good. Salvation by grace alone, good. I like that, familiar with that. But then works, what, what do we do with works? It kind of sits awkwardly with our understanding of the Christian faith. Where does that come in? Well, we know Paul isn't talking about the kind of works which earn God's grace because he just spent the past 10 verses ruling that out. So what are these works? What are these works that we are created for? What are these works which God has been preparing from eternity that we should walk in them? What are these works which, in which we find our meaning and our purpose and our identity? And the answer is really simple. The good works that we are called to do are not done to earn God's grace, but to share it. The works we're called to do are not done to earn God's grace, but to share it. Paul says this really simply in Ephesians 4. He says, as God has given grace to you, you give grace to others. And he spends the rest of the letter giving really concrete examples of how that works out. As God has forgiven you, go forgive others. As God has encouraged you, go and encourage others. As God has laid down his life for you in Jesus on the cross, go lay down your life for others. As God has given you spiritual gifts, go serve the church with the things that you've received. Freely you've received, now go freely give. There's a movement of the Christian faith of receiving and giving, receiving and giving. In our family, and for me personally, I've always been captivated by this image of adoption. This idea that as God has lavishly poured out his grace on each and every one of us, so we, in turn, show hospitality. We were sharing in a prayer uh, room this morning about prodigals coming home. That is the image that, as we have been welcomed home by God, so we live our lives as a kind of parable of God's grace, and showing, extending that grace to other people. I don't know if any of you are familiar with the story from Les Miserables of Jean Valjean. Uh, Jean Valjean is a criminal, a thief, and he's just got out of jail after 20 years. But then he meets his bishop, and he actually steals again, steals some expensive silver. But he's caught by the police, so he's dragged in front of his bishop and thrown down. And there's this moment where we're really not sure as an audience what's going to happen. What's the bishop going to do to this act of blatant injustice? And the bishop says, keep it. Keep the silver. In fact, take more silver. But promise me this, become an honest man and see in this a higher plan. And through the rest of the story, we see Jean Valjean freely giving in response to grace already received. He gives financial security to those who have none. He is lavishly generous with his money. He welcomes a vulnerable child under his wing. He lives his life giving freely. So as Christians, this is our purpose. This is our meaning. Good works. So my challenge to you is, what are the good works in your life? Are you generous with your time, with your money? What about those things which maybe we take for granted? Our homes, our cars, 
just the things that we have because we're British citizens in the 21st century, our education, our ability to read, our ability to write. How are we being radically generous with what we have? What are we holding back? Because you see, we have a choice. We can either walk through life with our arms closed, keeping the things that God has given us, or we can walk through life with our arms wide open, recognizing that things we have are not actually ours in the first place, but they're from God. So I think we see three reasons, three examples, or three things to take away from this morning about what our purpose is. To begin with, we are created by God. He takes sheer and utter delight in us. That's why we're here. We're created for a relationship with Jesus. And we're created for good works, to give lavishly, to give generously, to give radically. In response, I would love to pray for three groups of people. I want to pray for those who are here this morning who maybe feel like trash. You feel like Sporky. You're asking that question, do I matter? Am I valued? Am I noticed by anyone? I want to pray for those who want to spend more time with Jesus, particularly for those who maybe you haven't spent time with him before. Maybe this is your first time. I'd love to pray for you as well. And also for those who feel convicted to be more generous, to freely give as we have freely received. So I encourage you to all close your eyes uh, if you are comfortable. And these, you, you might feel like um, a combination of these apply to you, and that's fine. For those who maybe feel like trash, who feel worthless and unloved, unnoticed, uh, I'd like you to do a brave thing and raise your hand. Oh, I'd love to pray for you. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are our creator, that you look at us and you say, very good. Thank you that you have given us your image. You have given us dignity. Thank you that as Christians we have a newfound intimacy with you. Father, would you be helping us and reminding us daily of this truth? Would we not be shaken or thrown off course by what other people think? But would we find our identity, would we find our meaning and our purpose solely in what you think? Father, I pray that the friends of these people who have their hands raised would see something different in them. Father, I pray that they would have a, a fresh sense of your love and care for them. Amen. For those who feel like they want to spend more time with Jesus this week, maybe it's for the first time, and that's really exciting if that's true, I'd like you to raise your hand, and I'd like to pray for you as well. Jesus, we thank you that we can have a relationship with you. Thank you that you... As Sheila said, you came and you died so that we could have friendship with you. Thank you that you are our friend and our brother. Thank you that you became like us in every way that was possible for one who could not sin. Father, would we, Jesus, would we have uh, a fresh sense of this this week?
would we take time out of our busy lives to spend time with you? And would you be teaching us? Would you be giving rest to us when we need it? Would you be making us rich, reminding us that you are our friend and our brother? And as we do that, would you make us more and more like you? Amen. And finally, for those who feel called, for all of us, but those who particularly today feel called to live a life of gracious, radical generosity, who want to apply that more in their lives, who maybe you feel like there are things in your life which you are holding on to, clinging on to, would you raise your hand? I'd like to pray for you as well. Father, thank you that you've given us every spiritual blessing. Thank you that you have lavished your grace on us on the cross. You did not hold anything back. Thank you that you are the creator who constantly gives in our food, in our money, in the homes that we have, in the shelter, in the opportunities we have to go camping and to listen to artists and the opportunity that we have to be here safely. So many things we have to be thankful for. Would we recognize that these things we have are not ours to hold on to? Would we live a life of good works, being radically generous? Would you be pointing us, pointing out to us the things that we are holding on to? And we're sorry. We are sorry for those things. And we ask that in your name you would help us become more generous, like you, like Jesus. We ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen.